Like it's about business. It's not about sales and sales methodology. It's just about understanding how people think in business, how CEOs think, how a COO thinks, a structure of an organization, why certain things happen in an organization. What is EBITDA? You know, ask anybody, like half the people in the world don't even know what EBITDA is, let alone what it stands for. Um, so, you know, things like that, like learn business acumen as opposed to just like your world and your industry, your tech or whatever. Learn about business so you can talk intelligently with people at a level like a CEO level or a COO level. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. He, he made a post the other day, and in the first sentence of the post is said, if you're stuck, if you're stuck, making 200 to $500,000, then we need to talk, whatever the rest of it was, right? And I thought to myself, well, yes, I mean, he's teaching people how to make millions in SaaS sales as an account executive or whatever. And while his stuff could be right or accurate or motivational or whatever it is, good for him, right? But the fact that he said, are you stuck making 200 to five, I think he just alienated like 90% of the world of sales because man, if I was making 500 grand a year, not if, but when I was making $500,000 a year, I was pretty damn happy. I would never have said I was stuck. I would never, and anybody from 22 years old to 49 years old, I don't think would ever say they were stuck making 300K, 400K, 500K. That's a pretty damn good living no matter where you live in the, even if you live in San Francisco, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a great, yeah. a, a decent amount of money, you know? Sure, do you wanna make millions? Okay, yeah, who doesn't? But like, don't slight the whole world and say you're stuck making 200,000. And then the other piece to his puzzle too, which is annoying is that there's not a single SDR out there that's gonna ever come close to making a million dollars a year uh, because year. unless, unless they're, like I said, you can make millions if you're selling a product that's worth millions worth and millions. millions of dollars. Like if you're selling a product that's a $20 million project and it takes you 18 months to close that deal, but you make, I don't know, 5% or 1%, then you're making millions of dollars. But you have to have a product that's worth tens of millions of dollars in order for you to make millions of dollars. So him saying that he can teach you how to make millions is absurd. Unless you could also get me a job selling a product that's worth that amount, then I'm all for paying you whatever you want. <laughs> now, what do you think the average sales guy, I mean, some of these software sales guys make some really crazy amounts of money from some of these large companies. What do you think the average sales guy makes? I think they make 200 to 500,000. I think that's where they're at. I think that that's why he said that, you know, because he's trying to target this market that he knows of these software. Yeah. Sales. I mean, he's looking for the guys that sales, you know, Salesforce or some of these other companies where the guys are feeling stuck at that, that dollar. I mean, I know a guy who works for HP, the hardware side, he's working on a deal right now that could retire him. Right. He's working on a project where they're going to replace like every freaking terminal and server in a multi-billion dollar corporation. The job is probably a $200 million sale. That's no different than a $20 million sale. I mean, the same, you have to walk that sales, those people through the process, just like anything else. But if he closes that deal, granted, he has to split that with a couple of people, but it's going to retire him. It's going to pay him like two and a half million dollars, like a commission check. 
You think he'll keep selling? I'm sure. Those guys do. Yeah. You know, I, I have fun always watch. You know what I watch? Um, it's really cheesy, but I watch uh, a Million Dollar Listing, Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Because it bothers me. I watch it because I love to see the houses because I think some of the houses are just wow. You're just like, wow, that's awesome. I would love to live there. But these commissions that those guys make for just a couple of phone calls, like a little bit of negotiation. Oh, I show you the house. Here's the house. Uh, and they don't even show it to the, sometimes to the buyer, they show it to another broker. Right, they show it to the, right. And then the broker's right. like, they never even meet the the seller or the buyer. And it's like, they the two brokers are talking, Josh and the other guy are talking, and they're like, uh, you know, uh, 29.9. Well, you have to come down. We want, thir- or you have to come up because we want 34. And then they do the deal at 30 million and he makes $675,000 on that deal. And then you think, well, that's the same. Re- that's the reason why he's driving the fucking Rolls Royce, you know. And I mean, like commissions of that size. Forget about it in the real estate, but even in tech sales, it's not. They're not. They're not like as many SDRs there are out there. Like it's very rare, you know. Two hundred to five hundred K, I think, is a good average for most AEs in a in a, you know, w- with clients with a product that has at least an ACV of fifty or hundred K. You're making two hundred thousand. You know, maybe two hundred to five hundred thousand. If your ACV is ten k, you ain't making two hundred. Uh, maybe you're making two hundred grand as an AE, but you're you have to close a lot of deals. You said the difference between SaaS sales and traditional sales. So, what do you feel like the biggest difference is coming from a traditional sales background and transitioning into SaaS? Uh, it, it, I think it's just that whole full cycle versus the SDRAE model. That's what I've identified as probably being the most significant difference as far as mechanics and structure. You know, the other thing is, is that, um, I don't know, this is maybe a knock on tech sales or SaaS sales, but it's really not any more difficult than any other solution sale. Um, because, you know, you, you still have to have that kind of really true discovery call, understand really what's going on at the client, understand whether or not actually is a problem you can solve. Um, and then of course, coming back and presenting a solution that makes sense, that has an ROI for them. So if you look at other complicated industry verticals, the sales process is very similar. It's not any more difficult or less difficult than it is in SaaS sales. And I think, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the ego, egos of like venture capitalists and private equity and all that kind of stuff that's created this sort of elitism, if you will, in, in this business. You know, I go back to my friends at Sherman Williams and I go to their sales meetings and stuff and they may say one acronym the whole time that they're there, you know, and talking about metrics and things, you know, and they, they use just like real words. Whereas I think in SaaS, like everyone. You think that's like, a disadvantage to have all these SaaS? I mean, do you think it makes it, it like creates a black box? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it just, it makes it more difficult to understand when people, you know, try to shorten all this shit up or rename things. It's like you rename the same thing that another, like you just call it something different. That's why I said to this girl last night who I was talking with, she's um, she's coming out of uh, Aspireship. You know, she's looking to get her first job in SaaS sales. She happens to be similar age as me. And I said to her right from the get, I'm like, you know, what did you used to do, right? And she used, she actually has a DJ company. She used to be in healthcare. She used to be in this, whatever. 
And I said, you know, you're probably going to do really well, but you're going to hear a lot of shit. I said there, like, you're going to hear a lot of stuff that seems very complicated, very convoluted acronyms you're not familiar with and stuff. And I just told her to ignore all of it. I said, know what you know and figure out if somebody says, oh, you need to have an ACV, just that's annual contract value, average contract value. You might call it something different. So just remember that everything that anybody's ever thrown is going to throw out at you that seems strange or different. That's all it is. It's just a different moniker, a different way of saying it. And, and you're pro you probably call it something else in your world or, you know, your insurance world that you were in or the healthcare world you're in, but it's all human psychology, human communication. Right. And so, you know, I think that's, that's the other thing too, about SaaS sales is it, oh, they overcomplicate everything, you know? And it's like, it's kind of like with LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn, if you say it on LinkedIn, it must be true. <laughs> what? You know, like I, I, it makes me laugh. Like how many, how many different ways can you talk about lead gen, demand gen, you know, it's like acronyms, monikers. It's just so convoluted when it's really doesn't have to be. No, I definitely feel like it's confusing. It's over, it's over complicated. And, um, I, you know, a lot of this stuff like ABM account-based marketing. I mean, I think that's how you and I would have grown up to know how to market, right? You come up with a list of companies and yeah, that's a term that's been around a long time, uh, ABM, I think, you know, you, you go in and you have a very targeted group of accounts you're going after, and, and then you have a very targeted persona you're going after, or multiple personas you're going after, you multi-thread that whole company, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just, it just, that's, that's what I feel like is the biggest difference, just from a culture perspective, is that there's a little bit of elitism, there's a little bit of, like, convolution, and it just doesn't need to be, and it, and it's actually a barrier to entry for younger, maybe less educated people because they find it very difficult, you know? And it's like, if you just simplify it a little bit and like use regular human terms as opposed to acronyms and, and this, and it's like, you know, I always say to somebody when they're, when they're talking to me and they're trying to pitch me or whatever, and I'm like, can you just tell me that in layman's terms? You know, like, like, I don't want to hear the word synergy. I don't want to hear the words like, um, you know, whatever, any word that's more than three syllables, like, you know, it's just, why don't you just talk to me like you're talking to your friend, you know, and you're going to get a lot further with me if you do so, uh, than overcomplicating it with all this nonsense knowledge and big words and stuff like that. So this applies to sales. It definitely applies to the development of, of products as humans, we crave simplicity but we have a propensity to be complex. And I think that same thing applies in, in, in sales, right? If, you, if everybody sits around, they can make it really complex, but you and I, as we buy, as we buy products, really crave uh, simplicity, things to be simple, but it's our natural inclination to make stuff hard. I don't know, for me, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm old, but like, like I can't stand when you don't have like a support hotline. If I can't talk to a human and I have to read an FAQ or a blog to get my answer, that just frustrates me. Even though it seems like it would be easier and quicker. Oh, you hit a trigger point for me, Mark. Huge trigger point. I hate, like outreach doesn't have a help desk support. I literally spent two weeks going back and forth and then getting read. Then I got read the riot act on something that was like, we literally could have got on the phone and figured this out in about 15 seconds. Like even like, sales intel or sales off, I forget what it was. They're working with us now because we really pushed them, but like they'll send you an article 
And then at the end of the article, it says, is, is this article helpful? <laughs> and if you say no, when, what happens? Nothing what happens. happens. They just collect yeah. that data. Oh, this wasn't right. helpful. What does that mean? Article. Do you then send me something else that you think could be yeah. helpful? Yeah. No. You know, like Wix. Like I built my first website on Wix. Wix is the worst because they have absolutely no support. Yeah. There's not a hotline. There's nothing. You have to just go to the website and make hope that one of those FAQs answers your problem. Because otherwise, you know, I even tried to reach out to a Wix sales manager online and asked him a question he still hasn't gotten back to me i mean that's like one of the worst web development companies in the world you know i just never understood it you know from going back to listening to jake and 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 other people that i started following in this tech sales world like it just seemed like everything was so complicated and it's like why this is human communication this isn't you know it's like like i said with all the methodologies medic band challenger spin whatever it is like i you know, it's funny. I'll tell you another quick story. I, I, um, I, this is, this is actually pretty funny. You might appreciate it. I was doing a live cold calling on the discord and it was like, I don't know how many people were watching or whatever. And I naturally just, you know, talk in my conversations or, or move, move the person through the conversation, whichever way I would like it to go, or hopefully like it to go. And, and then I hang up and whatever is the outcome is the outcome. Right. And so I get off the phone with this prospect and one of the per- people in the group that was watching, you know, I give them time to, you know, give me feedback. I'll take the feedback even from them, you know, and um, ask any questions they want. And so one, one of the guys says to me, Hey Mark, you know, when you said X, right. Was that Braun Holland? I'm like, what? So basically he was saying, was that like Josh Braun and Beck Holland's little methodology oh, gotcha. that they have, what they teach. Yeah. Right. So they go, was that Braun Holland? And I'm like, okay, first of all, um, whatever you're saying or whatever you're asking me about more than likely is probably Sandler. (laughs) Right. But whatever I said, or, or at that moment that you're talking about, I'd probably been saying it even before Beck Holland was even born. Right. Like when she was in diapers, I was practicing and, and it's, it's like, it's great that they have that recognition, those two, or any, any influencer in the industry, even yourself. It's just, it's, it's not necessarily new, right? It's just their twist on it so they could sell their product or their service. And I respect that. I love the hustle, right? But I was trying to make this guy understand that, like, I'm, I'm not, uh, like, sometimes people ask me, what books are you reading? Like, Julia Nimchinsky asked me today, what book are you reading? I'm, I'm, I don't, I read, I've read books. I've got a dozen sales books on my shelf. I've got one on my desk right here, leading sales development by Jeremy Donovan, but I'm not a book reader. I'm a practitioner, right? Like I get better at what I do because I do it every day. I practice it. I don't get so wrapped up in reading. Like I had one, one mentee I was talking to. He's like, I'm reading three books right now. And I'm like, three books. First of all, I don't even know how you could possibly read three books. I mean, not with kids. Like if you have kids, you ain't reading three books. Uh, I should say that right now, unless you, you're not, a, not say you're not a good father, but like you must have some crazy amount of, you must be up all night. You know, like there are some people like that, Patrick Joyce and, and Steve Schmidt, they, they post shit at like two in the morning yeah. and I'm dead asleep. Yeah. Right. But like, I just don't, I'm not a reader or a, or a studier of all these things. I've studied them and I think I've got enough base to then start to develop my own thing and, and to really just get good at what I do. 
and be a practitioner of the sport, not a studier of the sport. Like I still study the sport. I'm still, you know, I'm still a learner. I'm still trying to educate myself every day, but I don't get bogged down in reading multiple books on multiple different methodologies. There's so many people out there who, who like, what should I use? Spin, medic, this. Should I read Jay Barrow's book? Should I take his class? Should I talk to Josh Braun? Do something. Stop just asking what you should do. Just do something. Do one of those things. Practice that stuff until it either works or it doesn't work, right? And that's a big problem, I think, in this industry is that a lot of people are, you know, trying to talk about, read about all these different methodologies and sales tips and tricks and stuff like that. And then the worst is, is when they try it and maybe they try it for a day and it doesn't work. And then they go, it doesn't work. So I'm going to try something else. No, I think that's a huge mistake. You need to come up with, yeah, you got to come up with a sample size. SDRs are way too quick to bail on things without a sample size. You need to say, when you implement something, I think you need to come up with a number. Like I'm going to have a hundred conversations with this pitch. But that's the problem too, right? Because I think it's leadership that's just pushing and pushing the outcome. And so they think, oh, I've just made 50 calls and it's not working. I better change it. Well, no, not necessarily, right? Because what if you do change it in the middle of the day, right? And what, what let's just say the next thing that you implement actually could work, but doesn't work until tomorrow. So now all of a sudden your whole day and now you're like, uh, that didn't work. So you, you might give up on that one and start something new tomorrow when it might've taken another 20 calls before you got it right because you haven't gotten it naturally coming out of your mouth. You know, this, this is what I say to people too, especially if they don't have parallel dollars or power dollars and they're maybe only making 65 dollars a day and only talking to two people. Fucking talk to a secretary. Call your friend. Call somebody. Like if you call up and you press zero and you go back to the main operator and you say, hey, I was trying to reach Bob, but can you put me somebody, can you put me through to somebody else in his department, right? And then you go to somebody else in the department. Who cares if you just pitch that person like, hey, I was calling about this. Um, you know, we are a, a group of blah, blah, blah. And we do this and we do that. Is that something you might be interested in? And the worst thing that they say is, oh, that's not me, actually. I don't know how you got my name and number, but you need to talk to so-and-so. Now, at least you've gotten the words out of your mouth. You've gotten some practice. You know, you've gotten the, I always say, get the junk out of your mouth. Right. Because the first call you make is always going to be shitty. The first call I ever make every day, almost, is probably sucks. Like, I, I just know it does. Because I'm ready to make the call, but it's like in your head, you just haven't heard the, the motion yet, right? And it's that rhythm, that's that tone, it's that pace. And like, it comes after like the second or third call, you know what I mean? And I'm okay with dumping on the first call. Granted, I've closed deals on my first call too, or, or meetings on the first call too, but it's like, talk to somebody. Don't just sit there all day dialing and hanging up, dialing and hanging up, you know, like go talk to a secretary, go talk to a, an end user if you have to. I think that's a really good insight is like, okay, you know, sometimes you need to pump the brakes on the calls and just... I'm going to get somebody from this company on the phone. You know, I'm going to crack the egg yeah, here. And you can learn something. And the, you know, the, the, I'm going to have you kind of re go, go through just real quick. Cause I guess it's so important. The, the gamification of the phone calls, you know, we talked, sure. we, we talked about the gamification and the stats. And I think that's just like a really good mind trick to create some space um, for yourself and also keep yourself to continue to go. I'll reiterate it, but I'll say this, like m maybe it's more of an ending point, but like 
assume that the SDR, you know, they got all those things I said, you know, they've got business intelligence, they got all these other things, they got 36 points, whatever you want to call it, right? And now they're suddenly they're talking to their boss. So they're having a one-on-one -on -one with their sales manager. And the sales manager, instead of saying, well, how come you, like, sometimes they'll lead with saying, like, uh, why do you think you didn't get a meeting today? That's terrible, right? Because what are they going to say? Right? But they say, like, you know, what did you learn? Right? Did you learn anything about the ICP? Did you learn anything about the persona, the vertical, the industry? Business in general, business acumen, right? That's the thing. If I had to, if I had to suggest to people books to read, as opposed to like all these books about sales methodologies, just read a business book. Pick up Harvey Mackey's Beware of the Naked Man. What a book. You want to talk about a business book, like a book about just business, like, you know, or, you know, I, I, a good one I, I read a long time ago, James Martin's CyberCorp. Might be a little bit more attuned to, to technology. Like it's about business. It's not about sales and sales methodology. It's just about understanding how people think in business, how CEOs think, how a COO thinks, a structure of an organization, why certain things happen in an organization. What is EBITDA? You know, ask anybody, like half the people in the world won't, don't even know what EBITDA is, let alone what it stands for. Um, so, you know, things like that, like learn business acumen as opposed to just like your world and your industry, your tech or whatever. Learn about business so you can talk intelligently with people at a level like a CEO level or a COO level. Um, but the gamification theory to me, again, came from the idea that, you know, everybody's so focused on this, this outcome, like setting a meeting or closing a deal or setting the next meeting up or whatever it is. And, and it could get very heavy if you're not hitting that. Like it could get very frustrating and people get into this like self-deprecation mode when they're not hitting that number, right? And or they're looking at their their colleagues who are setting meetings and ringing the bell and they're not and they get really down on themselves and they don't know how to look at the body of work that they actually created that day in a, in a, in a from a different perspective in a positive way. And so what I developed is a, a methodology whereby if you actually are able to get through your opener, whether that be a traditional opener or a, a permission-based opener, whatever, and you're able to you know, get the person talking, I give myself two points for that opener. So I'll write opener, two points, spreadsheet, whatever. And then if you are able to then gain any kind of business intel, what do I mean by that business acumen, uh, something about the industry, something about the vertical, something about that persona, something about that company, their tech, how many employees they have, whatever it is, I give myself two points for every piece of information that, or three points for, depending on how it comes to me, if it's multiple, after multiple questions, I might actually give myself a point each time or whatever. And then um, referrals, right? So out of the gate, I might get, oh, this isn't, um, this isn't me. You know, you need to speak to so-and-so. I give myself two points for that internal referral. If you happen to have a conversation with somebody and it's going really well, Yet maybe they don't want to set a meeting. It's not the right time. Maybe it's really not for them, but they just had a nice interaction with you back and forth. I typically will end that call or towards the end of that call and say, hey, look, sounds like, um, you know, this might not be a good fit for the two of us right now, but I can imagine you have a pretty large network as a CEO. If you had to guess <laughs> who would be, you know, in your network, somebody that might be interested in this. And so if you get that external referral, which is very difficult to get, because nine times out of 10, they're just going to go, oh, I don't know, you know, and, you know, they like that you gassed them up and saying they have a big network, but now they can't even identify somebody. In the network. 
you know, which, which is kind of funny, but, but I give myself four points for that because that's huge, right? Uh, five points if you get the meeting, uh, three points for the business intelligence, two points for the internal referral, getting over objections, two points, getting your pitch out is two points. So at the end of the day, right, when you look back and you say, oh my God, I really didn't set any meetings today, but I got three referrals. You know, I learned a shitload about my industry. I found out that like probably the persona I'm targeting really works with the CIO. So I'm probably going to have to get that person in on the call potentially at some point. So you learn all these things. So, so when your boss comes around to you and says, how was your day? You have something to say as opposed to, I didn't get any meetings. I'll try again tomorrow. I can't imagine how many every day end their day like that. Like if they have a stand up at the end of the day or a quick call with their boss and they're like, tomorrow's another day. Why would you say that? Why wouldn't it be better if you could say, well, hey, you know what? I learned this and that about my industry today, about this persona. I got two referrals. I got actually two warm leads that I'm going to follow up next week and set because they weren't ready to meet. They were at a trade show this week. I had a pretty decent day. You know, I didn't get a meeting, but I had a decent day and you feel good about it. You feel good. You feel better about it than just saying, I didn't get any meetings. You said so many so. great, so many great things. The one big takeaway here is I think the implementation of what did you learn today? Because I think that's a huge takeaway is not how many meetings did you set, but what did you learn today? Meetings should be a byproduct of learning, interest, and execution. Um, that's what that's what it should be. And so what did you learn for that? I think it lays the groundwork um, for that to, to be accomplished is meetings should be a byproduct. They're not the and Somebody said I couldn't be, and somebody said not all the best salespeople are, are the best leaders. And I'm like, why not? Like, well, they could be, you know, and I've always wanted to be a leader or, or have been a leader. I have been a sales leader in, in a, several companies, but it's like, uh, I don't see why, like, I, I think that's one of my biggest issues with this industry too, is that the sales managers, well, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you an example. This might be a cut on some people. I'm not going to mention any names, but you have a product let, let's just say, I'm not going to say the particular person at this company, but like a product like Nooks, a product like Gong and Chorus when it first came out, right? There's some people in that business that blew up, right? When Chorus came on the scene or Gong came on the scene, their SDR teams were crushing it, right? And it made all these people there look like rock stars. But quite honestly, they might be good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to take anything away from them. But don't you give credence to the fact that that's the new shiny object on the street and it's probably freaking easy to set a meeting? So are they really rock stars? Right? They still could be and they still may have grown into it. You know, I'll, I'll name a few, you know, like Gabrielle and, and, and Sarah and whatever. But, you know, there was a lot of people there that got a lot of oomph or got a lot of push because they did so well. But I mean, come on, man. You know, it's like... Like Nooks, like guy at Nooks, like set 60 meetings in the first month. Of course you did, right? Because all your contacts, all the people who want to use Nooks are on LinkedIn and you have a pretty decent presence. And of course you're going to set a 60 meetings. Question is, is how many of those did you close? You know, I don't have to knock that guy, but it's just like, you know, the new shiny object on the street, everyone's going to do well. Like it's going to be easy. Come see me six months from now. And, and now how you guys are doing, you know what I mean? Like, look at Dooley. I hate to say it, but Dooley, incredible product, incredible team over there, great people. They're on life support right now. 
life support was the phrase that somebody used last night. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, how is this company going in the shitter? You know, when they had all these great people, they probably mismanage money. It's, a, it, you know, it's very easy to mismanage money at a, at, a, at a senior level and you could crush a company. Yeah, money has wings. You gotta tie that in, you gotta watch your cost. So easy. It's like we were talking early on, it's easy to spend lots of, it's easy to spend money, you gotta watch your, gotta watch your cost. Um, well, Mark, this was great. Really enjoyed you. You were awesome. Uh, I love the, um, you, like, I, what did I, what did I say you had? You had an interesting uh, mix of confidence and intriguing Quite humility. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah, I, I mean, it was just a great, great conversation. Man. I'm so glad you clicked or uh, threw, threw something there on the comments and it's great having you on and I'll send you a calendar invite for next week. I'd love to keep talking. Um, if you can't yeah. do it, we need to move it. We can do that, but, um, it was great. No, I could do and, it. uh, I could do it. I, um, uh, this yeah, is awesome. That'd be awesome. I look forward man. to it, man. It's great. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Mark.